everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Uh, of course, that's Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. Gentlemen, welcome. And uh, we have a guest with us today, and that guest is the editor of the Dolphin section of the USA Today, Brandon Howard. And Brandon's a longtime friend and a great writer. Brandon, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. And Brandon, let me get go ahead and, and redo where we can read your stuff. I I'm, I don't think I gave it proper uh, oh, uh, proper okay. knowledge is what it is. It's all right. It's uh, dolphinswire.usatoday.com. Okay. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bhowardbinswire. And um, yeah, that's where you can read my work. Cool. All right, gentlemen, any questions for Mr. Howard? Yes. Uh, we're in the home stretch, guys, uh, of the playoff chase. And uh, wouldn't you know, two Florida teams, very involved. The Jags obviously <laughs> out of it. And uh, Mr. Henderson's Bengals obviously could put for 26. The, that, that, was, that was uncalled for. <laughs> uh, we we, we got to start the fireworks early, Jim. Now, uh, Evidently. Brandon, uh, Brandon, I want to talk about the Dolphin defense for a minute because uh, there's a lot of yeah. focus on the ground game and, and Tannehill's resurrection. But, uh, Brandon, I do notice that on third down defense, which is critical, uh, I mm-hmm. believe Miami's number one, uh, like 30, 33% or something. Uh, what's going on on the defensive side of the ball in Miami? Well, what's been huge as far as the defensive turnaround is, um, you know, Cameron Wake coming back and being full strength. And ever since they've been giving him more reps at defensive end on the left side there, um, they've been much better defending the run. So they've kept a lot of uh, opposing offenses to uh, third and long or uh, third and medium. And, you know, in those third down situations, they've been able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, and that's what they do best. You know, they, they've got some talented guys. you got Sue who's collapsing the pocket from the inside. And, um, you know, even though there's times where he's been double teamed and he gets that all game long in some way, somehow he's still able to get some pressure at the, at the quarterback. So uh, that's been huge. And so when he spills the quarterback to the outside, either left or right, um, you know, Cam Wake has been able to capitalize. Andre Branch, who has emerged as a leader, he's been able to capitalize. And those guys are having good seasons. You know, this uh, I have a question ahead, about uh, Adam Adam Gase, how much how much credit does he get for the work he's done with uh, Ryan Tannehill? Uh, huge. He gets a lot of credit. Uh, one thing about Tannehill is that um, you know his process uh, has been slow. He's been, he's sped up his drops, and that's one thing that I wrote about is that uh, Tannehill had a tendency to at times stop on evens on his dropbacks. Got to stop on odds. So you have your three steps, your five steps, your seven step drops. And his his dropbacks were not what they were supposed to do. And um, Adam Gates has hastened that process for him and um, and has told him, you know, basically, you know, when certain things are there, take off. You know, you got to take off and run. And um, he's helped him with his pocket presence, and um, he's eating less sacks as a result. And he's having a much better season. So, um, you know, just making sure he has that clock in his head, okay, this isn't there, this isn't there, take off and run. And he's being encouraged to use his legs this year. And that's something that the last you know, or the previous coaches have kind of dissuaded him, you know, from doing. They, they just told him, we want you to, you know, be a pocket passer. We don't want you getting out and taking those hits. But not realizing his legs were the very thing that could actually save him. 
I see he's had a very high uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio over the last several games, like nine TD passes to to one pick in, la- in the last six games. That's an astonishing turnaround for this guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, his decision-making is better. But one thing that, you know, a lot of people underestimate is that when you're a quarterback that can move and linebackers have to kind of cheat up and honor that, then throwing windows get a little larger because now you just have secondary players covering, you know, wide receivers in, in, in the uh, secondary there, and things get a little bit wider for you, makes your, uh, your reads a little bit more defined, a little bit clearer and more defined, and that's what's happening. And so, um, you know, things are a little bit easier for Tannehill now because he's added himself to the equation as a weapon, and when you have the, the – if you maintain the threat of the run – uh, at the quarterback possession, that's huge for an offense, and that that makes life easier on your wide receivers as well. You know, uh, Jim. Speaking of the threat of the run, mm-hmm. uh, probably the single biggest difference in South Florida, uh, Brandon, is uh, is this running back uh, who has <laughs> certainly taken some heat off Tannehill. Uh, where did this kid come from, and and, and where's he been? Uh, Jay Ajayi, he's been here, but, um, you know, I I think that, you know, when he got left behind in that first game of the year, um, I think that that was kind of a reality check for him in the sense that, okay, this football thing isn't forever, you know, and if I don't get my act together, you know, I I could be going home, you know, or I might not be here in Miami very much longer. So he had a talk with Adam Gase, um, you know, sat down next to him and told him, you know what, you know, what do you need from me? And they had a discussion about these are things that I do better, you know, and then Adam Gates started calling those runs for him, you know, and um, it, it's worked out to the benefit of the team. Uh, and his ability to break arm tackles uh, it has been huge. So when he gets up into that second level of the defense there, uh, linebackers, safety, they, safeties, they have a difficult time bringing him down. Uh, he runs aggressively, and uh, he's just a, a north-south runner, and that's what they want in this offense. Hey, Brandon, this week uh, it's going to be a showdown between two teams that are in, you know, in the hunt for the playoffs. Obviously, the Ravens at 6-5 and five and the Dolphins at 7-4. and four. Um, The Ravens are not overly impressive, but they have been successful at stopping the run and making teams one-dimensional. Do you think the Dolphins will be able to run on the Ravens? Uh it, it really depends upon what's going on with this offensive line. Will they be able to play? Uh, will Laramie Tunsil be uh, you know, healthy enough to be effective or maintain effectiveness uh, in the run game, in the passing game, uh, as a pass blocker and a run blocker? And also Brandon Albert, who has been itching to play since dislocating his wrist. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, it, it really depends on how effective those guys will be. Uh, if they're kind of somewhat at full strength, um, you know, are close to full strength, they should be able to run the Ravens defense. Mm-hmm. And passing shouldn't be too bad. Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, as long as you can establish the run game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of get those guys to honor that, um, then, you know, passing and throwing the football should, should be fun to do or fine to do. Um, they've got some outstanding receivers as well. And, um, we still don't know much about Devontae Parker. Uh, he suffered the back in- injury, and he has been coming on strong the last few games. So we'll see what happens with him. But the Dolphins have some weapons, and there's not too many cornerbacks in the NFL that are going to be able to defend all three of those guys. 
throughout the duration of a game. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, If Devontae Parker's healthy, uh, I would look for him to do some pretty good things in the game as well. Brandon, uh, hold on, Joe. Uh, Brandon, the last few years, the Dolphins have had some chances in December. I remember a few years ago they went up to Buffalo. The Bills were terrible, and I believe Miami got shut out uh, in a critical game. Uh, So what makes this Miami team a little bit different, Brandon, in terms of closing the deal and, uh, and getting that playoff spot? Yes, there have been uh, some collapses in December uh, with these Miami Dolphins in recent years. But um, you know what? I really think that there has been a culture change uh, with this Dolphins team. Um, you know, starting with, uh, you know, Adam Gase and you have defensive coordinator uh, Vance Joseph, who is uh, he's brilliant. Uh, the guy does an outstanding job with uh, making sight adjustments in game. You know, he knows what to expect. He can see what, what, what's about to happen before it happens and make the necessary adjustments before halftime. And uh, this, is, this is a guy that I think is going to be a, probably a head coach in the NFL in the next three years. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a talented guy, and then they just really uh, do what they call shooting it straight or, um, you know, speaking truth to power is what Vance Joseph says. Uh, talking to the guys and letting them know what they're doing wrong. And they're very honest with these guys. They don't sugarcoat anything. They don't let last week's you know, spectacular play bleed into the next week. If you're doing something wrong today, they're going to call you out on it. And it's a definite culture change. And um, the guys respect that. Not only are the coaches holding the players accountable, the players are holding the players accountable. And uh, that's been a major difference. Joe, you had a question? Well, yeah, I was I was just looking at the schedule here for the uh, the last five games of the regular season. It's it looks like it's uh, the way the Dolphins are playing now. They should be able to navigate that. You've got but you've got three road games uh, starting this week at Baltimore. But then you've got back to back games uh, at the Jets and Bills uh, in in mid and, and late December. That the potential for uh, for very bad weather is there. And then of course you close. Um, on January 1st with the Patriots. But uh, uh, as, you, as you look at that December schedule uh, for the Dolphins, this, this looks doable at this point. And uh, I would say, given what they've done and, and, and where they're headed, failing to make the playoffs would be a major disappointment right now. Um, it, it would be, you know, being that, you know, they're in the thick of it right now. But I kind of measure it by distance traveled. You know, uh, this was a 1-14, and 14, you know, and uh, they've come such a long way, you know, and um, I really like the progress that they're making. And one thing is evident is that they're absolutely headed in the right direction. So, um, you know, I would kind of advise fans to kind of just enjoy the ride right now because you actually have a team that is doing all the right things right now. And uh, the offense is innovative. You got Vance Joseph, who has defense headed in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I really am looking forward to what this team does in the future. This might not be the year that they actually make it to the playoffs because you have to look at Buffalo and what they've done since, you know, being beaten at Hard Rock Stadium. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Um, you know, and there's some games in there that are going to be difficult. But, um, you know, it would be nice for this team to make it to the playoffs, but at the same time, I have to look at 
how far they've come, and this is a very fun team to watch. Hey, Brandon Howard, real quick. Um, what's, uh, who are some of the players we should be watching for on the Dolphins this week against the Ravens? Um, I, I would go ahead and say uh, Kenny Stills uh, is a guy that, that, you know, is under the radar. People don't talk about it a lot, but he seems to be that guy that just breaks one, you know, uh, from game to game. And uh, mm-hmm. he's their, their deep threat. Um, and especially if Devontae Parker can't go, he's going to be the long guy pushing down the field vertically. So, um, and another guy that, um, you know, they kind of rely on now, and I feel like they're going to get more chances in the passing game, is Deion Sims. He's known as more of a blocker because they single him up on defensive ends to block in the run game. Um, and, you know, Adam Gates said the last guy that they had that could do that was Dan Campbell you know, uh, before, you know, he retired. So, um, you know, he's a, a great blocker, but he's emerging as a very good target for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, you saw that last week uh, against the 49ers. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, with, uh, with Deion Stones this week as well. Well, Brandon, we're, uh, we know you got to get going, but we'll give uh, Joe and, and Ira one last quick question, and then uh, we'll let you do your social media again and where we can uh, can follow your work, Brandon. So uh, quick, guys, we're, we're going to let Brandon get going here, but uh, any last questions before we let him go? Yeah, quick one, Brandon. I haven't been to the stadium since uh, all those improvements that helped uh, South Florida uh, gain another Super Bowl. Uh, Brandon, for people that haven't been there, Um, the main difference uh, is just, you know, the shade that they have now, you know, uh, in the stadium. You know, you, you'd be in the stadium and just, you know, sweating your, your tail off there. But, um, you know, I think the canopy that they have now is, is a big-time difference. And, uh, you know, fans are, are feeling a little bit more protected from the sun. So uh, I think that that's huge. Nope, Ira stole my question, so I appreciate that. Oh, there you go. Okay, Brandon, give us uh, give us where we can find you and give us your social media, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, you can find my work at dolphinswire.usatoday.com, and uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at bhowardfinswire, that's F-I-N-S-Wire, uh, on Twitter. Cool. Well, we will let you go because we promised to get you out here in 10 minutes, and I think we just about got you. Uh, so thanks so much for coming and talking with us about the Dolphins. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hope to have you on again soon. All righty. Take care. Thanks, Brandon. That was Brandon Howard. You can follow his work, uh, on the Dolphins wire at, uh, USA Today. Um, great guy and, um, very knowledgeable guy, not only about the Dolphins, but around, uh, the National Football League. Speaking of the National Football League. Uh, Ira Kaufman, you have been witness to um, what's going on at uh, with the Buccaneers. They're in the hunt. Uh, are they a playoff team? Uh, the standings say they are, Jim. Uh, okay. Now, Buck history, uh, and Joe knows this, a little like Dolphin history, 2012, I believe, was Shiano's first year. They were 6-4, and four, and they proceeded to win one of the last six games. Uh as recently as last year, Joseph, they were 6-6. Six and six. Then December hit. They folded their tent, lost four in a row, and made a coaching change. So, Joe, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, we've kind of been here before. Uh, Joe, 
culture change in, in Tampa where uh, we're not going to see that kind of uh, uh, December fold? Well, I'll, I'll tell you something, Ira. Um, I understand the skittishness at this point, and uh, but I would I would say this: we really haven't been here before. Um, even though the record is is similar and uh, to last year, and 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 the, it's all set up like that. When is the last time the Bucks beat two teams back to back? The caliber of the Chiefs and the Seahawks. Fair enough. It's been a long Fair time. Enough. And when is the last time that this late in the season your Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won three games in a row? Been a long time. Um, all of a sudden, even though the, the you look at the Raiders game back on October 30th, the penalty fest, they, obviously the Bucks should have won that game. Um, but in the end, they lose in overtime to a team that may well be the best in the AFC. You can make that argument. Certainly one of the best. And uh, you throw out the, uh, the the November 3rd stinker against the Falcons, where the Bucks sort of uh, embarrassed themselves on national TV. But other than that, uh, actually going back to the Monday night game uh, at Carolina, the Bucks have right. played pretty good football for a while now. And so, you know, they're on the road this week at the Chargers. You would say, well, it's a West Coast trip, but, you know, it's going to be tough. And it will be tough. But the Bucks have played very well on the road. So, you know, I think this team definitely has to be thinking, um, you know, postseason. And, you know, they seem to have a special thing going right now, uh, particularly on defense. That was a kind of an overwhelming showing against uh, a very good Seattle team. What I love, Jeff, what I loved about Sunday's game, and I told Joe this the other day, um, I saw Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks after the game, mm-hmm. and they were, they couldn't stop smiling about that defensive effort. Said it reminded them of the vintage days when they used to win 14 to 5. Mm-hmm. And I contrast that with the game that Joe uh, referenced, uh, the Atlanta game which was uh, Don Lynch, Ray Monodite, and so Sapp and Brooks were in the house. They gave up 43 points to Matt Ryan and company. And, and, and after the game, Sapp and Brooks told me they couldn't watch they couldn't watch the big screen because they couldn't believe how bad the defense was. And uh, it's been a remarkable turnaround. Now, Alex Smith is not an elite quarterback gentleman, but Russell Wilson is. Jim, and they made him look very bad. I, I, I believe you saw the game last week. Yeah, mm-hmm, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely did. Nothing about that, Jim. They, they outplayed them from the first minute. Mm-hmm. No, well, and, and I, you know, ahead, we yeah. go back. No, we go back. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time debating ancient history here, but there was a game in 1997, and Ira knows what I'm going to reference. It was First the opening game. game of the season. First game. Opening game of the season at Old Tampa Stadium. And in comes the, the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana. Or it wasn't Joe Montana. Actually, it was Steve Young. Steve Young. That's right. And, uh, but anyway, that's a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, comes in, opening game of the season. Tony Dungy's uh, second year there, I believe. 
and the Bucks absolutely overwhelmed them, beat them up, stomped them, defeated them, just physically, uh, physically whipped that team and went on uh, to make the playoffs. You had the feeling that day that you were witnessing a team that was had realized it could be very good. I had a similar feeling watching the, the Seattle game uh, on Sunday. Uh, beating the Chiefs the week before on the road was, was uh, certainly a, a major step forward. Uh, the Chiefs, as we know, were, were dominant at home. But then to follow that up the way they did in front of a, a, a raucous home crowd, a, a sellout crowd, a, a very pro-Buccaneer crowd. This was not a case of Seattle fans coming in and taking over the stadium. Uh, these were people uh, that that were there for the Buccaneers. And it was kind of that old-time feeling again, wasn't it, Ira? Absolutely. And, and guys, uh, the next home game against Drew Brees and company uh, has already been flexed out uh, from 1 uh, to 4.30. Uh, the Bucks are getting national attention, James. Hasn't mm-hmm. happened in a long time. They're yeah. usually the team that gets flexed, uh, you know, gets booked. Right, in the December. other way. Yeah. They are the other way, Jim. And, and then they play Dallas. In Dallas, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if that game's changed up. So, you know, the Buck bandwagon has started, gentlemen, and there's plenty of room to climb aboard. Well, that New Orleans well, game it, is likely going to be a, an elimination game, don't you think? Yeah, uh, the Bucks are one game ahead of the Saints. I, I don't think the Bucks have forgotten about uh, winning this division, Joe. They're a game behind Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons are impressive, Joe. They they score a lot of points, a lot of points. Well, they they do score a lot of points. Um, but I, w- I will say this, uh, and just as I referenced uh, with our previous guest here about the uh, the Dolphins' remaining schedule, you look at the Bucks' remaining five games. Right, and if they can figure out a way to uh, contain Philip Rivers and beat the Chargers this weekend, okay, then after that they will have the Saints at the Cowboys, the Saints again, and the Panthers. So that is three of the final four games are ones that you look at going in and saying, you know what, the Bucks ought to win this game, and that doesn't mean they will, but and a lot of things could happen, injuries or, or what have you. Um, certainly acknowledge that. But if this team can go out on the West Coast and, and beat a, a pretty good San Diego team this week, um, I would say look out because uh, they'll be rolling with a head of steam and uh, against uh, division teams that that they know they can look in the eye and play with and, and, and beat. I think we might. And you know me, I'm I'm very cautious on this hour, right? Um, but we might be seeing a changing yeah. of the guard here. I'll tell we you might what. Be. If you look at Atlanta's closing schedule, they play the Chiefs this week at home. They're on the road to the at the Rams. They they're home to the 49ers. They go to Carolina to play, and then the final game of the season, they they got the Saints. They have got a. Other than the Chiefs, they really don't have much left on that schedule yes and jim one thing worth mentioning joe you'll 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 check me on this is uh the 
suddenly uh, the Brooks are very healthy, Joseph. They're very healthy. They had uh, some injuries early in the year, especially at running back. And the defense is virtually intact, which is kind of shocking for an NFL team heading into December, Joe. Uh, the, the Bucks are relatively uh, full go, and uh, that, that's got to help down the stretch. The other Boy, thing – oh, go ahead, Joe. No, it, I mean, obviously being healthy um, is, is key for any NFL team this time of year. But I would tell you this. The the vast the the area of biggest improvement that I've seen with the Buccaneers is that they finally have a pass rush. Noah Spence has come on like gangbusters and uh, played very very well against uh, Seattle. And I think he had uh, what one and a half sacks. He forced a fumble. Uh, he was all over the field. And you know, good on him at this point. That takes so much pressure off Gerald McCoy and lets lets him play like he should. And as you know, uh, we all know, any successful NFL defense, it starts with upfront pressure. And when you get that, you can get a lot of things done. I'm sure that's why Warren Sapp was smiling the other day. And, One and of the Jim, good things. You know, Go ahead, Ira. Yeah. Jim, for those of us that, that have watched uh, the Bucks all season, mm-hmm. Jim, I think you can make I think you can make a credible argument, credible, that Mike Evans is the best receiver in football this season. I, I think you can. He's got ten touchdowns. He's all I got. Uh, Joel backed me up on that in terms of a threat on the flanks. He's double teamed. Richard Sherman was trying to shadow him. That was no contest. Joe, he looks like a completely different player in year three than last year when he struggled to uh, hold on to the football. Uh, from day one, Joe, he's been their best player. Uh, the guy's been phenomenal. And, Jim, he's one of those guys that even if he's covered, Winston's throwing him the ball, and uh, I'll take my chances with, with Mike Evans. Uh, Joe, is is that a stretch to say that uh, Evans is in the conversation? Oh, he's definitely in the conversation. When a guy gets in the end zone with the regularity he does, you know, that's what it's about is putting points on the board. And and the chemistry that that Mike Evans has now with Jameis Winston is is really special. And the better Evans plays, the more it opens up opportunities, you know, for the other receivers. And let's not undersell the – um, accomplishments, if you will, and the, and the impact that a no-name tight end named Cameron Brait has had. He, uh, You're right. You know, he, he was not the, the, the second-round pick like Austin Safarian Jenkins and stuff. All he does is come out and make plays. And I, it seems like every scoring drive that the Bucks have, that Cameron Brait is in the middle of it somewhere. And you you can't ignore him. You you can't if you, if you don't cover him, it's at your own risk. And so the more attention he can draw, the more uh, Mike Evans is going to have a chance to get free, and and Humphreys and all the rest. And and uh, finally Joe, getting didn't have, getting Joe didn't he have a touchdown called back uh, last week? I think he did. I think he had another touchdown. I think he did. Uh, well, and and, uh, and now you 
now you've got uh, Doug Martin back, and uh, so so that takes pressure off Jameis Winston, and it's a it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's coming together. It's it's been fun to watch. Jim, Jim Williams likes those Harvard guys like Brink, right, Jimmy? You got a little special place for Harvard guys. Yes, I, I do. Uh, as a graduate of the Harvard of Hillsborough County, USF, I have a lot of <laughs> respect for them. Uh, guys, the, one of the good things, if you're a, a, a Buccaneers fan, is that the teams ahead of you, Washington and New York, uh, they play a lot of games. They still have games in their division they have to play, and uh, they could end up beating each other up and helping the Buccaneers clear a path to get there. Absolutely. And, and Joe, you know, we don't know with five games left, how that tie is going to play out for the Redskins, Joe? It it, it could help them uh, at nine six and one if the Bucks go nine and seven, something like that. Uh, but Joe, if the Bucks get to ten, uh, you know, I mean, they got to win four out of five. But if the Bucks get to ten, Joe, uh, you know, I could see the Skins finishing nine six and one, and and that's where that that tie could hurt the Skins. Uh, very interesting scenario. Yep. Yeah, and you mock you mocked my Bengals. My Bengals got that tie for you. I'm just saying. Yes, they, um, yes, they did. <laughs> well, there but, you go. Uh, yeah, that was very kind but, of them. Well, you know they're, they're trying to do their part, but no. Yep. <laughs> let, but let's let's not get let's not get carried away. We're all we've all seen a lot of football over the years. Uh, we're not fanboys here, and when you look at the Buccaneers. They are, they're a team on the rise. We can say that mm-hmm. without, without fear of being wrong. Now, how far they can rise this year, like I said, will depend greatly um, how they do this weekend at San Diego. If they go out there and and get it done, then all right, then some playoff fever can can really begin to take hold. But. You know, it's the old one game of the one game season in the NFL. You know, every every week is a one game season, and I think uh, that's what they have this year. This is arguably building on what they've what they've accomplished to this point. This is as big a football game as the Bucks will have played in several years. Mm-hmm. Hey, one quick thing. Like yeah, go ahead. I was just going to yeah, say, and, uh, and I wrote, Jim. You know, Jim, like like uh, like our like our guest said. Discussing the Dolphins, right, Brandon? Uh, you know, worst case scenario, they don't make the playoffs, but they win, you mm-hmm. know, nine games. Uh, certainly, uh, Buck fans are not going to be disappointed uh, because the arrow would be going up, Jim. Right, right. Quick question for you guys um, off the Buccaneers topic, but uh, I found that it was really kind of a nice situation to see. Uh, former University of South Florida star Jason Pierre-Paul play well in that game last week uh, against Cleveland. Uh, it looks like he might be uh, making the turn and heading back uh, to becoming one of, uh, you know, one of the more dominant players in the in the NFL on defense. That's a good point, Jim, and I think that's a big, Joe, a big part of uh, the revived pass rush uh, of the Giants, uh, which wasn't there the first half of the year. Um, and I'll tell you what, if it continues with Pierre Paul at, at the head of the spear, Joe, uh, the Giants are a little bit dangerous because we know Eli Manning's uh, postseason pedigree, Joe. And, uh, you know, everybody's talking about the, 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 the Cowboys maybe playing Seattle. 
uh, for the NFC title game. Uh, Joe, the, the Giants have uh, shown us enough through the years that uh, you can't disregard them in, in January. Oh, heavens no. Uh, they, they, they like come out stomping out of the weeds in January if, if, you know, if they have their team. But you mentioned, you mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul in the pass rush, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, you, and you know, uh, both of you know, uh, Ira particularly, that I am big, big, big on a, on a team's DNA, a team's mm-hmm. identity. And yes. just as the Buccaneers' identity over the years has been defense, that's what you think of when you think of the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. That's why last Sunday against the Seahawks was so impressive. Even though everybody loves watching Jameis Winston throw the football to Mike Evans and so on, but uh, the um, the big thing with the with the um, Giants has always been you think of defense. Now Eli Manning gets credit for 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 touching it, you know, being the quarterback of Super Bowl winning teams, but it's about defense with them and with. Pierre Paul back uh, in in certainly all pro form again, that gives the Giants an identity that they are comfortable with and suits their DNA. So I think there is they're they're one of those teams that you can't sleep on. You better not sleep on, and I mean that for the Cowboys and the, and the Seahawks and all the rest. This this is a dangerous football team. By the way, yes, fifty. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. Jim, that's how they beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Joe's right. Mm-hmm. They they put a, they put him on his keister, and mm-hmm. if you don't do that against Brady, you're, you're not going to beat the Patriots. And oh. and that's and the Ravens did it one year, uh, uh, Jim, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They uh they buried Brady. That that's mm-hmm. how you beat Brady. Uh, and the Giants did it to him twice uh, with that defensive line. Spagnuolo, I believe he's still. You know, he, he had that head coaching job, Joe, uh, with the Rams. That didn't work out, and, and he's back with Doug, and he's doing a nice job with the deal. Well, Pierre yeah. Paul has 50 tackles, leads the team in sacks with seven, has three forced fumbles, has eight pass deflections, and yeah. I mean, uh, he's clearly the play. He's, I, I doubt seriously there's anybody going to beat him for comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, anyway, got to give a shout-out to a USF boy, Jason Pierre-Paul, and uh, and what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, about that time to wrap things up. Final thoughts, Ira, and, uh, and your social media, my friend. All right. Uh, my social media is uh... – at iKaufman76 on Twitter. And Joe, speaking of Twitter, uh, and Henderson knows this better than anyone, uh, I have been known to uh, just uh, throw things out at the top of my head on Twitter. Uh, and here's one that I did the other day, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, I am one of 50 people that vote for the all-pro team, Associated Press, mm-hmm. which is a lot harder to get on than the Pro Bowl team. Uh, you know, we only pick one quarterback, and you only pick two wide receivers. And, Joe, and, and you vote for the postseason awards. And, and, Joe, I wrote that I'm starting to think about writing in for MVP of the league the entire Cowboys offensive line 
and anybody who watched them Thursday against the Skins realizes that um, with an O-line like that, Joe, you control the trenches, you control the clock, you rest your defense. It, it, it all starts up front with those Cowboys. They've invested a lot of resources, Joe, over the years in, in building that line. And um, what a unit it is, Joe. What a unit. Well, it absolutely is, and it's made um, Rookie of the Year choice uh, in the NFL pretty tough because who do you choose? Do you choose Dak Prescott or do you choose Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, it's going to be one right. of the two. Um, I would say it's you might want to make it a co-Rookie of the Year. But, uh, no, the, uh, I, that, that's a reasonable argument, Ira. And um, on that cheery note, I will say that you can reach me at – on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa. And the thing I'm going to be watching is a Thursday night football game. We finally have a good one, Dallas and Minnesota on uh, Thursday night. And that, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be fun to watch. Cause right now I will just say it. I think the Cowboys are the best team in football and they've got it going. And whoa, to their whoa, credit, whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, that I I stand by my story and um, the way they are playing and the way that uh, they handled the whole Romo situation. One thing about Dallas over the years, they've always had drama, right? And yeah. what was going to be more dramatic than the the confrontation between Romo and and this rookie quarterback and doggone if they didn't just handle it perfectly. So. Nobody's figured out a way to stop Ezekiel Elliott yet. Nobody's figured out a way to slow the Cowboys down. Um, it's Minnesota's turn. Let's see what they got. And lastly, I'll leave you with this. You know, I can't get out of here without a Bengal reference. Right. The, 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 heat is, the heat is starting to turn up on Marvin Lewis. Um, that's, that's not a very good football team right now. And they uh, – they got old before our eyes, particularly on the defensive line. And, you know, Andy Dalton, um, particularly with that A.J. Green around, um, I'm starting to look at that and going, I don't, I don't know. Going, I've kind of always been a Dalton supporter, mm -hmm. but uh, he's pretty ordinary this year. And maybe it is time for a new voice. There are, there's, there's going to be some candidates out there um, that, that are going to be attractive, uh, offensive-minded guys. Uh, maybe it's time for a fresh start in Cincinnati. But does there, Mike Brown it. take out the wallet and pay it? Well, yeah. Marvin, Marvin has a year left on his contract, mm -hmm. and we all know Mike Brown doesn't like to pay coaches not to coach. Mm -hmm. But and, and Mike Brown, I will give him credit. Doggone if he hasn't really – become a pretty strong uh, chief executive uh, slash owner where during the, the decade of despair, you know, people mm -hmm. wanted to run him out of town. And now he's, he's a very solid guy. Got a, got a really strong franchise, but sometimes you can be too patient. And, you know, I, I think this might be one of those times. Um, we'll see. I'll be surprised if they fire Marvin. But I know that there's a lot of unrest starting to bubble up around that team. Well, it'll be an interesting situation. Well, guys, it's always been a pleasure doing the Sunshine Boys podcast with Joe Henderson. 
Ira Kaufman. I'm Jim Williams, your, your host, and we want to thank, of course, um, Dolphins Wire from USA Today's uh, editor and uh, the man who knows just about everything about the fish, Brandon Howard, who was our guest today. We hope to see you soon again for Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. I'm Jim Williams. We hope that you had a great day and a great time listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast. Until next time, be well. Thank you.